Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You um, did, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I knew that was going to happen. So I, I was fairly confident. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to do something else with my life. Smart man, Rob. Yeah, well, we all, we all do our part. We know, Let me tell you, I am much more confident in knowing when my team is bad than when they're good. Yes. Generally. I, I typically feel the same way, TBH. Yeah. It's kind of easier to know if your team has, like, gotten lucky, essentially. You know, in my continuing war against baseball, I haven't really kept up with the standings very much, but uh, how are your Atlanta Braves doing? <laughs> your war against baseball. You're, you're leading the charge. Yeah, proudly. Uh, I mean... They've, you know, they've been like me on a Saturday morning. They're hungover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for, playing, for playing the World Series. But, um, I mean, yeah, the NL East is once again a garbage fire, except this time the Mets are actually good for how long remains to be seen. But for now, um, they've, they've looked pretty good. And then everyone else is kind of crap. And the Nationals are like extra crap. Oh, the Nationals have been hungover for like three years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all their Twitter account posts about is the 2019 World Series. Does it really? <laughs> oh, yeah. When the, won, when the Braves won the World Series in Houston, they were like, it, it takes a special team to win the World Series in Houston. I'm like, we're your division rival. Have some shame. It's like, we don't like you. 
Have some, like, I get no one likes the Astros or whatever, but have some shame. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But, yeah, I mean, your D-backs aren't in last. I know, you know, I actually, I actually did go to a game. Uh, Oh, yeah. My, one of my friends uh, flew into town uh, on business. He lives in Maui, but he flew in on business, so he was out here for a week, and we went to a D-backs game, and then a Suns playoff game the next day. This was before they got annihilated by the Mavericks on home court yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, but no, we uh, we went to a D-backs-Dodgers game. It's like uh, most times I go to see the Diamondbacks, it is like ostensibly against like the Dodgers or the Padres. Yeah. Like those are the only two opponents. Like probably 75 80% of the Diamondbacks games I've ever attended have been against some combination of the Rockies, Padres, and Dodgers. I mean, which makes sense, you know, given the division. Division but rivals. I feel like I always see Braves Phillies. I don't think I've ever seen Braves Mets live. It's, it's always the Phillies. I swear to God, it's always the freaking <laughs> Phillies. Which is part of the reason why I hate them so much. I think. But, um, yeah, so it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, Mad Bum. He's still a thing. He is, you know, and I watched a, a pretty good game that night. We had seats along the third baseline. I watched a, a well-pitched game, not by the Diamondbacks. It was Walker Buehler tossing a three-hit shutout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He he, he's that. pretty good, that guy. Yeah, let me t- you can take a look at Bumgarner's numbers this year. Not bad. They're not bad. No, you're not kidding. 229 ERA. That's not bad. He stayed upright. Yeah, <laughs> His arm is still attached to his body. His FIP is a little high, but a one-one-nine yeah. whip—that's not too bad. No. Yeah, and they're only a game under five hundred. I'll take it. I mean, the division's really good. Yeah, it obviously. is. It, and the Rockies are like perpetually the stupidest team, but <laughs> you know, it's in the, in the mix for fourth. <laughs> yeah, what is uh, Chris Bryant doing out there? Oh, that that now. Let me tell you, I have not watched a single Rockies game. And I am a baseball addict, but I I have not gone there. Oh, oh dear. He doesn't have a home run yet. Oh dear. How do you That's... play in Colorado and not hit a single home run? Oh dear, Chris Bryant. Yeah, that's not good. Oh. That's real bad. No wonder they're bad. <laughs> Yeah, all right, it all makes sense now. The the Rockies, like, one year they're going from, we're going to rebuild, we're going to do this the right way, we're going to be patient, draft, and develop, and then the next year they're doing stuff like signing Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant! (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. I don't get that franchise. Insane. Yeah. Baseball's weird. Yeah. Uh, Listen, honestly, I can't really be mad about sports things for, I'm giving myself, like, three years, essentially. That's Maybe how long like, the Braves elixir is going to take to wear off. And dogs. And, yeah, dogs. and the dogs. The Can't forget about the dogs. Yeah. I mean, five, I mean, probably more like five, honestly. I mean, I, I can't really be upset. I got two championships in like a few months. So. Yeah, that's... No I, complaints. I need you to do like the, uh, the Paul Feinbaum caller accent for me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> the thing about Feinbaum is that I, I've i actually never really been a fan of call-in shows. I think they're, like, especially cringy. Yes. I, I just, I, I'm not a fan of, like, cringe content in general, but 
I don't know how people listen to that because the people that call into Fine Bomb are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the um, the dude that uh, poisoned the trees at Auburn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember um, that. When when Cam was there, he called and he was like. Hey, Paul, I just got to let you know something I did. I went down there, and I poisoned tumors trees down on the corner. You <laughs> called into Paul Feinbaum to snitch on yourself. What Like, what, what are we doing here? I mean, this is like next levels of Alabama going on there. I mean, you just got to be so – oh, and oh, what did he name his kid? Oh, oh, he, his kid had – oh, yeah, Alabama. You got to be kidding. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Love that. Really enjoyed that. I'm just calling in Paul to let you know. <laughs> I committed a felony. <laughs> <laughs> I have not hired legal counsel. <laughs> I did not think this out beforehand. I've drank 87 Miller Lights, and, you know, we're just we're just flying by the seat of our pants here. I have, I have a daughter, first name Aubrey, middle name Ern. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> oh, Christ, man. it's yeah. just different. People live college football real different down there. I mean, yeah. you can att- you can attest to this as a, a lifelong dogs fan. Lifelong dogs fan, yep. as someone that lives in Athens. I mean, people. It, I mean, it is it is like just next level. I mean, people love it so much, and I mean, I like college football. I think it's like easily the stupidest of like the major sports like just dumb shit happens all the time but it's funny uh, but these people are just like come hell or high water i'm rooting for the dogs like whether i whether i logically know they're good or not i'm just going all in like uh, the, the crimson tide will either destroy me or validate my entire existence yeah, exactly that's why mark rick wasn't fired for like seven years after he should have been they're like, oh, he's a good man. He goes to church. He takes the kids to church. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind we lose our three most important games of the year. He takes the kids to church, so we've got to keep him around. He's a good football man and a good virtuous man. That's right. He's uh, Mark, Meanwhile, they, like, cut to Mark Rick. Like, they're getting pumped by Alabama, and he's just, like, listening to Christian music on the sideline. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's wholesome content. <laughs> That's what they want, man. It's what they want. Yeah, it's just crazy, man. The stories that come out from like SEC fans, like whenever there's like a huge rivalry game, it's just crazy. Some of the stuff that goes on, like just even like outside the Iron Bowl. Yeah, it's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, even games like Georgia and Tennessee is like totally unhinged, and like for (laughs) for, like the last several years, those two teams have not been. I mean, Georgia's been really good, but Tennessee has not been good in a long time, and their fans are so unhinged. (laughs) They'll just do anything at this point. My name is Johnny Knoxville, and this is trying out for Tennessee football. (laughs) That's right. It might as well, honestly. Yeah, the Vols haven't been good in ages. Uh No, no, they're not good. Yeah, it's been a while. But it literally doesn't matter. Like, (laughs) people, they still sell out games and stuff. Josh Uppel's their coach now? Wow. Oh, man, I couldn't tell you. They fired more coaches in the last several years. Like, the they last one I distinctly recall is Phil Fulmer. I remember they hired Vince Dooley's son for some reason. <laughs> Derek Dooley, yeah. yeah. Derek Dooley, yeah. And they had Lane Kiffin for a little while. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a little emphasis on little. 
Oh, Lane, man. God, he, he, you don't get much more like college football ass head coach than Lane Kiffin. Yeah, no, no joke. His Twitter account's great. Lane, Lane is a, he's out there. He's wild and out yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I love his Twitter account. Like, no other coach <laughs> is just this unhinged. And openly flirting with other teams. Like, <laughs> Oh, sure, but, but the NCAA comes down on a good man like Herm Edwards and not Lane Kiffin. Okay. Right, exactly. I see how it is. Oh, Makes yeah. all our coordinators resign, all our players transfer. <laughs> we lose our quarterback to LSU. We're going to go, like, 3-9 and nine this year. Oh, man. It's not looking good. No, these are, these are dark good. days for our Sun Devils. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. I'm sorry to hear it all her man. He's doing his best. He is still there. Like, Why? All of his coaches have left or been forced to resign, and he is still there. <laughs> that was so bizarre when he, when he left media. I thought he was staying with media forever. Well, but... he, his best friend is our AD. Oh, I see. Yeah, like Ray Anderson goes and, and Herm, they go way back. So Ray just hired him when Todd Graham wasn't getting the job done anymore. So now he just won't fire him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the other great thing about college football coaches. Like, at least used to. Like, you have, like, one good season and you have a job for 20 years. Oh, it, it's straight up nepotism. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It is not at all a meritocracy. Oh, no. Not even close. No. Not, not in the least bit. I mean, I'm trying to think how many former head coaches were on Georgia's staff last year. There were a few. Like, oh, who was the guy? Oh, they had um, Matt Luke. Good old Matt Luke. Oh, I remember that name, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp, he's the DC there, right? Yeah. No? Uh, no, he was an analyst, and I... I don't know if he's going to take over because uh, the D.C. got the Oregon job. Dan Lanning is now Cause, the... Because uh, Cristobal went to Miami, yeah. Yeah, and then they got Dan Lanning, which, yeah, good luck. Dude, good the, luck. The, the Pac-12 is just going to be so bad this year. It's, it's like really Lincoln Riley is going to hit the ground running with a 10-win team at yeah. USC. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be really bad. I mean, I know that UCLA has to be sick. Absolutely, like just beside like they, themselves, they had a good vomiting. Season. Yeah, they had a good season, but and then it's like, oh, USC is back. Okay, great, awesome. Yeah, and Oregon's been a solid program for a decade. They're going to be an also ran. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah U of yeah. A might be better than us in like two years. That I'm just going to just start vomiting when that happens. <laughs> they, I don't know what it is. The NCAA has beef with the Arizona universities. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to. They're just trying to take y'all out. I know what one coordinator at a time, one recruiting violation at a time. That's right. You know, like you right. know, we we got to reach out to these kids, man. There's a pandemic on. We're just trying to build a good football program. <laughs> Doesn't this kid deserve some money? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. You too could work for ASU football, Rob. That's right. Th- this uh, is the party line doing. that you're towing. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd work. I. I can get some kids some money <laughs> i was just reading uh I, I guess we have to talk about atletico in just a moment but i was just reading in the athletic i know you're not a hockey guy but you know the the coyotes and asu have an agreement for the coyotes to use their hockey rink for like the next three years yeah i saw the pictures on twitter yeah. uh, apparently this agreement is contingent on coyotes ownership 
not fooling around and finding out. Apparently, it is contingent on Coyote's ownership behaving themselves and not generating any negative press. Oh, and ASU gets to use their logo at Center Ice in the Coyotes play in their 5,000-seat rink. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's I'm incredible. Like a minor league team. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm going to try to find the article right now. Oh, you have to go. While we're talking. Oh, I know. Like, it, oh, it's it's, it's such a, a janky plan. Like, remember how we talked about... Um, like this, this is like Vitolo transfer, just transferred to the NHL. Yeah. This is how janky and, <laughs> and harebrained this is. I mean, it's oh, that's so. Cra- I mean, the Coyotes. It it just seems to me, from as you said, someone who is definitely not a hockey guy. Mm-hmm. Like now is about the time I start watching because the playoffs are crazy and are fun to watch. But oh, always. I have no clue about anything, but. It always seemed to me like the NHL was just being stubborn in keeping the Coyotes out there because they kind of screwed up whoever, giving that ownership group or whoever it was, that team. Um, It's kind of the same thing that happened with the Thrashers. It's like, it's not that it was necessarily a bad idea. It's that the owners were so awful and just constantly screwed up at every turn that it was never going to work. I I love the Thrashers, man. That's one of the great all-time logos. The Thrashers, well, not only the Thrashers, we also produced the Flames. You had the Flames, and they moved to Calgary. Y'all have lost two teams. To Canada. <laughs> Both Canada. They both went to, yeah, Alberta and Manitoba. Which, to be fair, makes more sense for Canadian City to have a hockey team. I'm not mad at it, uh, to be honest. But, hey, at least we generated the cool logos. That's true. And great uniforms. Two cool teams. I mean, no one, no one took on the Thrashers, obviously, but... The Thrashers could have been cool. I mean, people went to those games early on. They had some then, really fun players. Kovalchuk, Heatley, well, before Heatley got in legal trouble. Yeah, well, and people, the, the thing is people, I think, kind of assume, and fairly, that people didn't care. And people went initially, but then it was like, oh, this team's not very good, and they're not really trying to be good, so mm-hmm. why should we go? Um, and I think that was it was kind of the proof of concept was kind of proved by Atlanta United like several years later that like this is also something that wasn't ever thought could succeed in the South but then it did but it did yep because they tried like immediately Atlanta United was a hit mm-hmm. so I don't know I don't think Atlanta's ever going to get a third chance at a hockey team no but. god no so here's <laughs> the headline the Coyotes' agreement with ASU includes good behavior clause for team and its owner. Oh, God. The Arizona Coyotes and their owner, Alex Mariuello, will be required to avoid notoriety or the team can be forced to look for another place to play. Avoid notoriety. According to the document, if the Coyotes or their owner become the subject of adverse publicity, contempt, scandal, or ridicule for violating quote-unquote widely held principles of public morality, failing to conduct its business affairs with a high degree of integrity and honesty, and or failing to act as a good corporate citizen, Arizona State can get out of its deal with the Coyotes. That feels very (laughs) open-ended. That feels like the ASU... It seems pretty arbitrary, does it not? Yeah, and it feels like anything they could cut that deal off. Oh, they, they can't have any um, betting like on the site either because a- ASU it's a college campus and the oh, the rink the rink is owned by ASU. So any gambling like any FanDuel, DraftKings, etc. stuff has to be at least half a mile away. That's ASU rule. 
That's the school can policy. They, can they sell beer at games? Any alcohol or beer must be approved by ASU. Oh. ASU <laughs> maintains the right to object to any advertisement that is not in good taste or otherwise not in compliance with the school policy. Arizona State will receive revenue from naming rights for the arena, not the Coyotes. The Coyotes will not be permitted to sell any temporary advertising that is a competitor or in the same category as whomever ASU sells naming rights to. Oh, man. I mean, this team is like... Why? Why is this team still a thing? I I don't know. They've been here my entire life. They moved here in 96, so I was two years old when they moved here. I have never been a Coyotes fan. I have... Because most of my life they have played out in Glendale. They played in the West Valley 25 miles from me. And, like, they've never been consistently good or well-run because they have – it's an ownership carousel. And the commissioner of the NHL desperately wants them to succeed out here, but they're not going to. Right, because it was his idea. Right? Yeah, it was his idea to move them from Winnipeg down here. Yeah, which was also a robbery, Winnipeg losing their team. And Winnipeg yeah. eventually got that team back courtesy of your Thrashers. Yep, shout out. Shout out the Thrashers. It's all connected, Rob. It's all it's all cyclical. It's, uh, it's all connected. Uh, I guess they'll just move them to uh, what? What's what's the place? Quebec City. Quebec City, them, or them there. Uh, or give give them to Saskatoon. Yeah, somewhere like that. I don't know. Medicine I mean, Hat. There are a no. bunch of good Canadian, awesome <laughs> Canadian cities. <laughs> I mean. You know, now that Seattle has a team, that kind of took an option off the table because that was kind of the, always the easiest one is just moving to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Now the Pacific Northwest has a team. like That's Seattle-Portland area, too. Yeah. Yeah, and Vancouver has obviously always been there. So, yep. yeah, I don't know where I don't know what they're going to do. Move them back to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Thrashers part three. Third time is the charm. <laughs> Third time's the charm. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, it's Thrasher's time. (laughs) (laughs) It's Thrasher's time. We're back. Whatever their slogan was, like Blue Nation or whatever. Was that what it was? Blue, like Blue Nation? It was Blue something. That's kind of weak. I I never understood what it meant. Uh, What was it? Stupid blue thing. (laughs) Believe in Blue Land. Which I don't even know what that means. No one calls Atlanta anything remotely close to that and the time period in which the atlanta thrashers existed 1999 to 2011 uh the state of georgia wasn't exactly blue no Uh, more like blood red yeah so i don't think that really makes any sense i don't know what is blue about georgia like i mean i guess we have the atlantic ocean but it's not near atlanta (laughs) that that whole march to the sea business during the civil war (laughs) I, like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, I never knew what it meant, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. Bring them back. Yeah. I, I agree. I miss the Thrashers. They had some great some great looks, some great threads, great logo. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> miss our Thrashers. Terrible players. <laughs> uh, I, you, you want to talk about Atletico or something? Yeah, I guess we have to. Yeah. It, it, I mean... I'm very much like just I, I've been on this for like about a month now. I want this season to end. Yeah, it's it's been it's been rough. Uh, I think su- Sunday's game kind of encapsulated uh, a lot of what has gone wrong with this season and why I feel this way about this particular iteration of Atletico, Rob. Um, I don't know if you felt the same or feel the same, but 
I mean, I'm not expressly looking forward to discussing this game. I don't really have much to say about it that I haven't already said this year. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. So, um, <clears throat> it's it's nothing out of the ordinary for this year. No, I mean they took the lead in the first half. They played really well. Really happy that Jose Ma got a goal, his first of the year. Yeah, uh, and then you know final 20, 25 minutes, they get tired, they drop back. Simeone throws on Felipe for I don't know ostensibly <laughs> to protect the lead. He gets caught out, and and the series scores, and it's one one. Um, I I do find it. I don't know if amusing is the right word. Um, Sevilla's players tossing Lopetegui into the air as they clinch what is likely going to be fourth place. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, this, yeah, this, cl- mean, this clearly meant a lot more to Sevilla than it did for Atleti. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, I get it for them. They're in the Champions League, but I don't know. It just seemed kind of small time. Yeah. Your words, I not mean, mine. <laughs> I mean, just saying. It, 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 but honestly, is that unexpected? Not really. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of the way the whole season's been. There just hasn't been any spark with this team the whole year. They've never gotten going in any meaningful way. They'll have, like, a couple good results and then immediately go back to conceding late goals that drop them points and then back to square one again. So, it, this season really just never got out of first gear, honestly. Like there are nine wins, two draws, two defeats in the last 13 league games, which is about an 85-point pace over a, a standard 38-game season. Like That's worth getting excited over, but other than the games in, around, and during the Champions League ties against the Manchester teams, I haven't really been very excited about Atletico during this calendar year. No. Well, and it's it, it's there's obviously been the Luis Suarez problem in that he became old. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he last season, as I think, I don't think was entirely unexpected that last season was the last hurrah of him in Europe at the highest level. Um, but he got old, he got hurt, and then the rest of the squad just couldn't really score goals outside of Angel Correa, and that's not going to get the job done, really. And, and I, I think that we all kind of knew on some level that Suarez's second season at Atletico was going to be pretty different from the first. He's still our top scorer. Wild, yeah. Wildly, he is still is our top scorer. Uh, yeah, like, we've had, you know, Zhao had a really good season. Correa had a really good season up until, like, March. Um, Cunha's been a revelation. We, we've gotten goal scoring from a bunch of different sources, which is good, but Suarez has... Not has been pretty much a peripheral figure since December, and he's still this team's top scorer. Yeah. Um, and you, you had to bring him back, though, right? After last season, you couldn't just cast him aside no. like Barca did to him. No, and I, and I, I don't, I would never question that decision. Or, no. I think it would, it would just be revisionist history to say anything different. Um, you had to get him this season to see if he still had anything left in the tank, and there's really nothing to lose. No, I mean. It's not like someone was going to pay big money for him in a transfer fee or anything. So, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what you think about this, but I think he's probably a club legend at this point, given how important he was to a league title win last year, just at Letty's third since nineteen seventy seven. Um, Eighty something games, he's scored thirty, oh, I think thirty five goals, maybe. Um, that number might be wrong. 
but he was so important to us last year and um I don't know. I, I think he's got a very unique place in the club's history, despite only being here for two years. I, I think unique is a good word um, because he came in from Barcelona, and which always adds a little little bit of flavor onto things because they thought he was washed, and then he was just amazing in what was a really weird season, and basically single handedly won Atleti the title, and. Also, it just so happened that, I mean, he was the first, like, he was the first world-class striker to perform at that level over the course of a season. I guess you can argue since Griezmann, but probably more closely Diego Costa. Yeah, because of the Um, player profiles. Right, and that they won stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Won won La Liga, more to the point, but... right. um, so yeah, I mean, legend. I think you know we get into the weeds on that, but it he's gonna be an iconic player um, for kind of a weird period of time. Um, and the the second second Simeone title is gonna be associated with Luis Suarez for sure. Oh no yeah, doubt about it. He's the face of that team. No doubt about it. And and I know there there were a lot of heroes last year. Like Oblak had maybe his single best season. Yeah. Uh, Lima exploded that season. Um, Correa Carrasco in the second half of the season. Hermoso was really good before yep. reverting to being a pumpkin. Marcos Urente. Urente, yeah, well, Urente. Unbelievable. Does yeah. a dozen goals. He has none this year. So when, you, when yeah. you look at that team, and but Suarez is the guy who who scored all the important goals, and, and most yeah. of his goals were game winners. I think twenty one goals, eleven of them were game winning goals. And down the stretch too. When it when it got rocky for when, sure. Yeah, when it got rocky and Urente lost form and Jao Felix got another ankle injury, um, it was really Correa Carrasco carrying the team before Suarez scored against Osasuna and then again against Valladolid. And that was it. That was it. It was all she wrote. Yeah, uh, I think you know he'll certainly always be remembered, and he's probably going to make a lot of money in MLS. I guess that we assume he's going to. Yeah, I don't know where he's going. Um, I'm not sure. Like, there, there's been some Ajax chatter on social media, which would be cool, like sentimentally. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, Ajax is still <laughs> a really good level. Yeah, um, and it doesn't seem like a great landing spot for a soon-to-be 36-year-old forward with bad knees and ankles. No, I mean, I could see him going back to Uruguay for sure. Yeah. But if he wants, like, a bag, which he probably does at this point, he could go to MLS and make a bunch of money. I'm sure some MLS team would want him. Or he could go to Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah, the Stevie G reunion Coach by, tour. by Stevie G, yes. Stevie G reunion tour, him and Coutinho back together. Oh, man. The Stevie G aura. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if this was the old days, like if this was like 2017, it would, he would have already uh, been announced as going to China. Yes. For like the most amount of money you've ever seen in your life. But no one's going there anymore. Or Japan. No. Yeah, true. True. Because Iniesta yeah. went there, Torres went there for a year. Yeah. I mean, I guess he could go to like, Dubai or something, or so the Saudi Arabian League, if he like really wanted a bag, 
Yeah, like like, and Gabby went to Cutter, similar deal. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't. Th- this this may just be. A, it is totally me just projecting onto Luis Suarez. I don't see Luis Suarez becoming a coach. It's tough for forwards because they have a, a relatively. I, this is going to sound like denigrating, but it's not. Like they have a narrower view of the game than a midfielder or a defender, especially a central midfielder. And you kind of want your forward to be selfish. Yes. Like that's what that that's what makes a forward great, which kind of limits <laughs> your ability as like a team leader or whatever. So yeah, I don't really see him going into coaching. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So he might as well just go whoever gives him the most money. To be honest. Here's a question for you. Speaking of, of last year's team, obviously we, we've been through almost now 10 Diego Simeone teams. Uh, yep. 10 years of, of Cholo, at least full seasons at Atleti. What are the, let's say, two or three best Atletico Madrid teams under Diego Simeone? Oh, that's a great question. I was thinking about this the other day just while I was writing for work. Um, I mean, obviously, thirteen, fourteen is going to be number one. Yeah, I think. Um, totally fair. You know, I mean, the other Champions League final team, I never thought was that good. I, I think they were kind of more fluky than they were. Like, eh, I, I feel like, I mean, they were good, but their run, I feel like, was kind of less convincing than um, than the previous, than the 13-14 run. So I'd kind of almost say 12-13, which is kind of crazy, but that was kind of like the prototype for 13-14. Mm. So I'll always have, like, nostalgia for that team because that, that was sort of the building block. Um and I think that we, I think the Europa League winning team was really good. Should have been better, honestly. 17-18. Uh, yeah, should have been better. I think that's the takeaway from that team is they should have been better. Um, but, yeah, and then I guess, um, I mean, it was, it, it's weird, actually. I'm going to be interested to see how in a few years we look back on last year's title team because it was weird how it came together. It was kind of unexpected that that team gelled as well as they did. And they were amazing. Like they were truly amazing to watch. Um, and then it fell apart the year after. So you're, you're kind of left wondering like what the hell happened that yeah. year, you know? So I'm going to be interested how we'll look back on that team. Um, yeah. What do you think? That's a good point about last year's team. I don't think that story is fully written yet no. as this season has shown us. Because it's pretty clear now that a few of those guys performed out of their skins to help us get 50 points out of the first 19 games that season. Like, Hermoso has not come close to rediscovering that level. Llorente has not come close to rediscovering that level. Uh, Lema, Carrasco have had inconsistent seasons. Lema has had injuries. Uh, Savage has been more injured this year than he was last year. Oblak has had, a, by his standards, a dismal season. Whereas they all performed so great in the 2020-2021 campaign. So I guess next year will be a really good barometer. Because I don't think Atleti are quite as good as they were last year. But they're not nearly as bad as the level they've shown this year. So it's kind of inconclusive for how we rank that last year's title winning team. Even though that honor is winning the league is 
the probably the single biggest trophy a domestic team can win, right? Winning the league yeah. to me is more impressive than winning a Champions League. You uh, ha- I think you it's have a better to, sign of a good team. You have to grind 38 games, nine months. You, you don't fluke your way to a league title. Nope. Like, Table doesn't lie. Some teams can fluke their way to fifth, sixth, seventh. Like, I remember Newcastle doing that 10 years ago under Pardew. Yeah, true. You know, and Levante had a year where they were sixth about a decade ago. Um, Hetafe had a fifth place finish under Bordelas. Like, there, there are certain seasons where you can catch fire at the right time and finish in the European place. But to win a league, no, you got to be legit. You got to be real good. And I guess the ultimate outlier on that is it's going to sound very disrespectful, but is Leicester. And Leicester is kind of like the ultimate outlier. It's not like they were a bad team. Like, they obviously have world class players on the team. But it also coincided with every other good team in having, England having a bad season. Crap. Yeah. yeah. So it, it takes something that is a once in a generation occurrence for that to happen. So yeah. the vast majority of the time to win the league is the hardest thing to do. Um, and, you know, the Champions League final teams, you know. I guess you could make the argument that with the way athletic play, you're kind of rolling the dice in knockout competition. That's what we talked about after Man City is, yep. you know, they were set up knowing that the result that happened was possible and maybe even likely, but if you rolled the dice enough times, that would have come out good eventually. Mm-hmm. And that was probably their best chance. So, I, you know... Uh, I, I think it's 13-14 at the top of the Simeone teams without question. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's anywhere close, really. I've got 15-16 at the top. Really? Yeah. Really? We let in what? 18 goals that year in the league, dude. 18 yeah. goals in 38 games. We were insane defensively. Uh, Griezmann was one of the three best players in the world that year scored 32 goals in all comps we had a plus 45 goal difference in the league with less than half a goal conceded per game All Black was ridiculous Uh, that was probably Godin's best individual season beyond 13-14 when he scored in the league winning game and the Champions League final Godin was unreal that year Felipe comes back and he plays at a world class level that was probably Juan Fran's best season probably Gabby's best season Sal stepped into the team and was a revelation. Um, and Griezmann, despite not having a consistent strike partner the entire season, still scored 30 goals. Like, he, he starts the year with Jackson Martinez. He goes from Jackson to Vieto and then finally to Torres, who is good enough, who, who does a bit more than an impression of a lamppost and actually supports him in the forward pair. And I think our bench that year was, was really good, too. We had depth at both fullback positions. Augusto comes in in at the start of the January window and beasts it, particularly in the Champions League. Man, before Augusto got hurt, he was a terrific defensive midfielder. I I mean, but the fundamental problem with that team is that the transfers that were brought in were so bad that if, if they had been slightly smarter about how they spent money that summer, then I agree with you. That team probably would be the best, but 
I mean, the, there were just no, outside of Griezmann, there were no goals in that team. I, I kind of think that's what makes it even better, right? You waste $60 million on Jackson and Vieto, and you're still good enough to rack up 88 points in the league and come within an eyelash of winning the European Cup. I think that is, I think you saying that is, I bet... Simeone would also say that was the best team because that's what he wants. He just wants the like dog defensive team. And that I mean that was absolutely what that team that team was operating at full capacity defensively. Um yeah. But man, it was goals were hard to come by in that team. Like that uh, that was a time where if Atleti scored first the game was over. That was it. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter when they scored, whether it was in the third minute or the 93rd minute. If they scored, it was probably over. Because our defense was just that good. Our system was that strong. And we had guys like Gabby and Godin who did not ever let the standards slip. Ever. We haven't had leaders like that since. Like, I I, I love Colquade no. to, to bits. I love him to pieces. I think he's a good captain. He's not Gabby. No, 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 no. Definitely not. I don't think anyone would. He, he'd would probably agree, honestly. Oh, of course he would. Knowing the kind of, of guy Koke is, he'd probably agree. Well, the reason I think thirteen fourteen is more impressive is because that was the last Atleti season that the team didn't have money like that. Like yeah. they were scrounging around behind couch cushions to get guys in January. Yeah, that's why they're number two for me. Uh, they won a league that was and eight years ago today, actually, Rob. How how amazing is wow. that? Eight oh, years wow. ago today is when Godin scored the header at camp now to win us the title. That was a good day. And yeah, that was an amazing that was a good day. day. Um, and that was my, I think, the second, that was my second season following Atletico. My first one where I was really, really locked in and paying attention week in, week out. It, it was an in, insane season. That was a great title race to follow. And, like, I think the argument for them being the top Simeone team is pretty convincing, right? 90 points. They won the league in an era where Madrid and Barcelona were routinely racking up 100 points, 100 goals scored. Uh, There was really no competition for them. Like, there was one year where Valencia were third but finished 30 points behind whoever it was to finish second. I think it was Madrid to finish second that year. They finished 30 points behind second place. So what Atletico did that year was really, truly break up the duopoly. Um, and yeah, you're yeah. right. They they didn't have any money, right? And in that January, we had to bring back Diego Ribas on loan. He was at Wolfsburg, right? And yeah. then we went to we scrounged and found Jose Sosa out of really nothing. Yeah. And Jose Sosa was a huge contributor for us in the second half of the season. Well, and Diego Ribas scored, scored what is that still banger. to me. <laughs> one of the most ridiculous goals I've ever seen in my life. It still doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I mean, that team was just, it was weird. It was full of, uh, it was a mix of young players and journeymen that had been around. And, you know, you think about Courtois, who, you know, don't really enjoy him very much now, but whatever you have to say about him, he's been one of the best goalkeepers in the world uh, for, for quite this some time. entire time, yeah. Nearly a decade. Um, yeah, I mean, and he was a baby on that team. Um, he wasn't even yeah. our player. We had There was concern no. when we drew Chelsea in the semifinal that year. There was concern he wasn't going to be able to play because he was which, still on loan from Chelsea. Which, given the, who the manager of Chelsea was at that time, I am shocked. He, so that, was I. <laughs> shocked that he played. 
Um, yeah, and also considering that that summer before that season, their best player was sold. Ewing theory. I'm, for real. That's all that is. For, but still, the, to lose arguably, not arguably, inarguably, your best player, basically not reinvest the money at all, <laughs> and then win La Liga, it's insane. Yeah, they they and the the final fee for Falcao was inflated too. It wasn't sixty million; it was much closer to forty million. Yeah, but there was weirdness going on because because Monaco at that time were just buying everybody. And there was the third party ownership yep. shit back then before FIFA banned it. Mm-hmm. So Falcao goes. We signed David Villa for what an eighth of the final price for Falcao for five million yep. euros. Yep. David Villa comes in. Um, and did this go to work? I think they won their first seven games that season. It was crazy. They they beat Madrid at the Bernabeu, and that was when I thought, yeah, they were going to be seriously good this year. That game was so sick. That no, was great. <laughs> Costa gets a goal in the first yep. ten minutes or so. And it was over. Po- like points to his face. Oh, man. So good. So good. They had, yeah, well, they had, Ru- mean- they had Rulo as well, and he, Rulo is, and Falcao are like, they're just about joint tied for my favorite Atleti player of the last ten years. Yeah, and that was that was the peak of Arda Turan. Um, oh, Arda, well. yeah, just running his brains out. Um, no wonder he fell off for Barcelona. But yeah, no, like you said, the argument is that the two best players of this generation, easily and uh, of all time, probably were in La Liga in their prime at that time and could not beat this weird Atleti team. Yeah. That was another, a little, a little bit like Leicester, right? Luck, opportunity, and yeah. just from top to bottom, that squad competed week in, week out. My guy Tata was not Barcelona, not Barcelona quality. <laughs> love, love him to death, but no. <laughs> Atlanta United legend, Tata Martino. Easily. Easy Atlanta United legend. Not so much a Barcelona. Not, not a Barca legend, no. No, not, probably not. Yeah, I love I loved that team. And that that was just, I was there for the ride, right? I was still pretty new to following this sport and pretty new to how every competition worked and what player roles were. Like, I, I wasn't a novice, but I was pretty dang close. I'd only started following the sport within the previous 12, 18 months. So I was still kind of feeling my way around and watching Atleti do something that practically everyone I was listening to was saying, yeah, this is not supposed to happen. This is practically impossible what they're doing. That just made it even more exciting. Like, how far can this go, right? Like, they beat Barca in the quarterfinal that year. Like, this is their first Champions League semifinal since 1974. It wasn't even called the Champions League then. Like, oh, this is pretty dang impressive. First time in 40 years they're doing this. So it was just, that was a magic carpet ride. Like, how far can this go? Like, that was where... Simeone takes charge of this team, and you just feel like anything is possible. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that 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 was kind of an iconic season to me, um, 13, 14 in general, because I had followed Arsenal for a long time before that, which, you know, watching soccer in America is like a brutal experience. Especially prior. back then. All we had was, was Fox Soccer. Fox Soccer was horrible, and you had to pay a ton of money to get access to you know, watching games regularly, which thank God for my granddad, he did. But, you know, and that season was just iconic because that was, I think, 13, 13, 14 was the first year the Premier League was on NBCSN, yep. which was amazing. And then 
Also, the other weird memory I have from that season, which is like semi-Atleti adjacent, not really, but the that Copa del Rey final, the Gareth Bale goal, mm-hmm. which I remember just being like a Twitter meltdown. Because um, that Gareth Bale goal is still ridiculous. Like, objectively day. ridiculous. Like putting my yeah. Madrid anti-Madridese yeah. bias aside, that was just insane. That goal was one of a kind. I mean, that's probably like you know, one of the most physically talented footballers to ever live, like, full tilt. <laughs> it was unreal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, it was just a weird season. Like, weird shit like that just happened. And Atleti won the title. Real Madrid bought Gareth Bale. Barcelona had young Neymar, and it did not matter. I remember that was, I think, 2012-13. I was... Like I was scrolling through the channels trying to find some some football to watch, and I, I couldn't even watch like a Man City Tottenham game live. City were the reigning champions. I couldn't yep. watch that live. I had to watch like a replay at three in the morning on Fox Soccer to go. It was so bad. It, th- that's what the landscape was back then. And I don't know how many of our listeners have been watching soccer in, in or football in the U.S. for ten years, five years, two years, however many years, um, but it was the landscape was really barren. Like the well, landscape was, was really slim tough. pickings, and it, it was, you know, it's like a menu at a bad restaurant. Like, there's not much on it and nothing you want. You know, it's like random FA Cup matches that you're like, why the hell would I ever watch this? Like, and, I, I could watch Stoke City and Man United on, like, Fox Sports Arizona, now Bally Sports Arizona, but I could watch it on Fox Sports Arizona at okay. 12.30 in the afternoon, but that was it. I couldn't, I, I didn't know what, like, our soccer streams was. No. No, yeah, the the bootleg streams in those days were much more bootleg somehow. Much, much more. <laughs> they, were, they were like 240p and took a year to load, and you had to click through 90 porno ads to even, yes. like, get anything. And my, my favorites to this day, and they still do this, my favorites are the ones that refuse to show you the match, like, unless you disable your ad blocker. <laughs> really? Like, That's not suspicious. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Oh yeah, I wonder what that's about. Oh yeah, these guys illegally streaming a match. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you have my best interest at heart. Hmm. I think I'm gonna keep my ad blocker on. Thank you though. <laughs> Appreciate you. Respect. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, the landscape now is so much better. It, weirdly, I thought about this not too long ago because I think the Athletic had some like soccer in America fan survey about coverage and. I, initially, I was like, oh, I'm going to bitch about how CBS has, like, kind of weird commentators and, <laughs> like, ESPN has, like, janky streaming. I was like, you know what? It's actually fine. <laughs> like, compared to what it used to be, this is fine. I'm really not that upset about it. It's just so much better than when than when we started watching because now we have, you know, Paramount Plus, ESPN. Like, we, we can criticize – ESPN and their their analysis, their broadcasters, whatever. But the fact that 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 La Liga now has that exposure, just that it's readily available for pretty much anyone, if you pay well, six it, bucks it, a month. It was huge for me for it to not be on BN because I could never get BN. Oh god, yeah. Even if I wanted to. Full respect to the people who worked at BN. I just don't like your rights deal. I'm sorry. And it's hard to get the access to their thing like you have to be in certain areas essentially yeah. um, and it was only available on sling or fubo right yeah which i was a 
broke college student and did not have. So I was I was using that using that college Wi-Fi for some oh, yeah. leg streams, baby. Who among us? Everybody, hopefully. <laughs> I remember watching. You mentioned the seventeen eighteen team. That's probably my th- number three team, given how inconclusive last year's team is in the ranking. I remember yeah. watching Griezmann's four goal game against Leganes, uh, sitting at. <laughs> Memorial Union on the downtown Phoenix ASU campus. I was sitting in now it wasn't even a reclining chair, it was kind of a shit quality chair. But I was sitting there just watching Griezmann banging goals against like an ace. Like oh, on a, on ASU's Wi Fi. Whenever like I, I visit my dad every weekend and when I, I drive into downtown Phoenix and then I drive out and when I reach one of the old ASU buildings, my phone pops up with a notification saying, You wanna to connect to ASU Wi Fi? <laughs> and like, oh, that takes me back. First of all, it's creepy. My, my phone still remembers this, that You're Apple right. still keeps this memory, this this data stored. But second, oh, I remember those days watching Atleti streams in class or watching Atleti play with, with B in commentary at, at MU. Remember when we drew twice with Carabag that year? That was great. You know, I, I, I got I got to thank Carabag because without them, we wouldn't have won the Europa League. I guess. <laughs> I got to thank them. Those games in the moment in a vacuum were immensely irritating and and angering. <laughs> they were horrible. They were so bad. I, I wanted to, to strangle some of our players. But with without like the second the second Carabash game, where our only goal is, is Thomas scoring a rocket from like forty yards, um, we had like thirty five shots and one goal. Without that game, we don't we don't win a trophy that year. No. And we Do don't get remember, to beat Madrid in the Super Cup. Do you remember the pitch at Locomotive? Yes. <laughs> Do you remember how gnarly the pitch was? I, that sticks in my mind forever because it looked so cold. It and was the so pitch was snowy. So plastic. Yeah. <laughs> and the pitch was so bad, and there was an orange ball, and it was just bouncing. It was hard. You could tell how hard the surface was. <clears throat> yeah, I remember Felipe breaking his leg that day. Yeah, that wasn't good. But yeah, that that season just. Dis- the first half of that season was desperate. Atleti were so bad the first half of that season um, because they couldn't make transfers, and Griezmann wasn't really locked in. He wanted to leave the club. Like yep. There was an agreement with Man United. Everybody knew that, but he stayed because of the transfer ban. He wasn't focused. The team wasn't playing well. But you know, then January comes in, and things change. Costa comes in. There's a lot of energy. Vitolo comes in, too, and... Atleti end up finishing second and winning the Europa League with a really, really convincing run throughout that tournament. Like that was that was a that's a rare feeling as an Atleti fan to be in that tournament, an international continental tournament, and know you're the best team and know that if you don't win it, it will be a tremendous failure. It's a really weird position to be in. I remember. I think I I remember being unnecessary. Well, maybe not unnecessarily, given how their careers have turned out, but upset about the. You and I were upset a lot about the Teo Hernandez stuff and yeah. also the Diogo Jota stuff. That happened that summer, too. So we were, like, coming into the season already kind of annoyed that this stuff had happened, and then they were kind of not very good. And it was like, well, shit, here we go. Yeah, that, that summer was, was really rough because we were on a transfer ban. It was, yeah. And, you know, we, we did that the now infamous Vitolo podcast where it's, it's 9 in the morning. I'm just waking up. I checked Twitter, and it's like, are you – kidding me and that's when yeah. i when i messaged you and like i we spend the, that half an hour podcast and i'm basically just grumbling <laughs> like it's more I, i'm tired than mad but i was also mad and then lo and behold they end up signing him i really need to re-listen to that because i have not done that oh you should 
I, I re-listened to it, I think, a couple of times in the intervening seasons. It's great. <laughs> I was sitting in my bedroom in my apartment in Tempe when I had a roommate in Tempe. I would love to fit. I, I can't even remember because it must have been like early afternoon, I guess. It was, it was about 9 a.m. my time, which would have been 11 or 12 your time based on daylight savings. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, man, I gotta re-listen to that because I'm sure I'm sure I was just like, cause I, I don't think I was that upset about it in the moment because then like 48 hours later he signed for us, right? Yeah, because he, did, he didn't sign Sevilla's contract. That was what it, they presented him with a contract right. extension. He never signed it. And they were like, "Oh, he's not for sale," and we had blown it, and then. And then he ended up being, like, one of the worst purchases ever. <laughs> in, ever. So in the like, club's right. history, and he's still technically contracted to us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah his, his contract's still not done. It's done after this year, yeah. Do you want to... No, they extended it to send him on loan to Hitafe. Oh, good Lord. Great. Excellent. Do you want to know... Uh, do you want to guess, Rob, how many starts Vitolo has made for Hitafe this year? Oh, my God. Do not Google it. Uh, three. Lower. Lower? Yeah. One? One start. <laughs> I mean, that tracks. Here are uh, Vitolo's stats this year. Are you are you ready for these? I'm ready. For Hatafe's side, which just secured safety last weekend. He has played seven games in La Liga. One start, 221 minutes. No goals, no assists. One shot. You don't say. Night, no, yeah, I do say. Wow. Oh man. He uh, has he has completed one, count it, one pass traveling longer than thirty yards. Wow! Look at you, Vitolo. <laughs> keep keep getting them checks, I guess. He, he is getting those checks. Remember when we loaned him to Las Palmas, and we we're like, "Oh, it's going to be fine." Uh, he and Diego Costa, they're going to come in January, and they're going to be totally ready to go. It was and terrible. Then, and then there was both crap. <laughs> like, Vitolo's best moment that season was when Cholo gave him a surprise start in a derby and he set up a goal for Griezmann. Oh, yeah. Like, because yeah. he, was, he was otherwise hurt or just kind of eh. And Costa was so bad. We spent so much money bringing back Dan Costa. Oh. He was so bad. I, and I was so convinced he was just going to bang in the goals, man. I was so convinced that this was the missing piece, man. But you are never one player away. In any sport, you are never just one player away. No, if you're telling yourself that, then you are papering over cracks more than likely. Yeah. I mean, Costa had some very good moments in that calendar year. Like, he scores on his debut. Uh, we were, who were we playing? It was Yeda, I think, in the cup. He comes off the bench and scores. Uh, yes. He has that goal against Arsenal in the semifinal. That was a great moment. Not for you, but for Atletico, that was a great moment. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a strange moment for you, given your yeah, your loyalties. Was. And then he has that brace in the Super Cup against Madrid that gets us to extra time, and we eventually win an extra time. Everything beyond that was just the train wreck. Well, I mean, it, Diego Costa, it should be the Diego Costa rule, because I feel like in football there are two rules, which are, one... You should never buy a player from Atletico that played under Diego Simeone. And two, you should never buy a player from Chelsea uh, because you're getting hosed, yes. more than likely. Chelsea, so, Chelsea may not be good at buying players themselves, but they are excellent at knowing when to get rid of them. And Diego Costa was 
both of those things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and to, was, Antonio Conte got the last. He got the last drops out of Costa. He did. He did. And uh, teams should teams shouldn't buy it. players from those clubs because they're real bad. Yeah, like there there aren't very many success stories of guys who have left Simeone's Atletico. Like you you Rulo. can attest you Rulo's can attest to this, the Rob. Only one. Rulo, yeah. Um, Athletic is unique because it's because of all the pride and because of the the regional um, the regional yeah. pride and the their Cantera policy, their Basque only policy. Rulo is is probably the prime example. Rodri's probably going to get there, although his first two years at City weren't easy. True. Um, and you, and you, you can't you can't count Teo. Not really, because he had to go to two other teams before making it at Milan. Um, you can't really count Jota or Raul Jimenez either. No, definitely not. Because those guys yeah, took took multiple seasons to find their footing, although Jota now has, to my chagrin. And you, you can attest to this as, as an Arsenal fan, Rob, with, what, with what's been going on with Thomas Partey. Yeah. I mean, I see the, the thing is it's not just that you were, like, attached to Atleti. It's that if you played a lot under Simeone, which Roger only played for one season, but yeah. if you played a lot of seasons like Thomas did or, like, Arda Turan did. Especially Arda. That's a lot of yeah. miles. Because it, it's such a difficult, it's a physically intense style, especially in the Champions League, especially against bigger opponents where Atletico are clearly the underdogs. Like, you, you know how much running you have to do, how much mental and the mental and physical toll it takes. Like, there's there's a reason Sal has not played at Chelsea. Oh, man. You know? Um, just a, another recent example of Sal going to Chelsea and... Atleti finally pulling one over on Chelsea, although not really in the way you'd want. No, no, because they, they're they not going to keep him. No, he's going to come back, and I'm not really sure what they're going to do with Sell. Um, I, I think there's, on one hand, they could look to move him on. On the other hand, they could look to reintegrate him. I think they probably will reintegrate him. Well, I mean, it, it's, Andre Berta, the sporting director, comes out yesterday and says, like, the era of the the really big expensive signings is for the time being over. We believe in this squad. We want to keep this squad together. These players have value and, and several of them have bright futures. Um, that's, that's what's important to us. We're going to have to wait for the market to develop. So what does that tell you about what Atleti are going to do this summer? Well, I was interested in his quotes about Griezmann as well, because like we were talking about with Costa, you know, he, he, he's a guy that left Atleti and then came back. And has not been very good um, since returning, but it seemed from Berto's press conference that uh, that that move is happening regardless. And now I don't know if him saying like, "Oh, we're happy with him, we want to keep him, whatever," whether that's uh, just there's no way to get out of that obligation to buy him, or whether they actually think that. He is a long-term piece for the squad. Which, if that, if the latter is the case, then I am concerned. Yes, as am uh, I. I. I am rather concerned if if that is the case. I mean, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. Now that they should probably send Griezmann back if they are if they want to plan in the best way for the medium to long term. But they're not going to. It's Griezmann and Simeone have a very tight bond, and that's just. It was an express request from Cholo. That's the way it goes. And what they can try to do is maybe send Morata there, because Xavi inexplicably wants Morata. Um, you could send Morata there and try to knock down that that obligation to buy that fee, like not cancel it entirely. Barca won't agree to that. 
but is you give the Murata at a discount fee or a nothing fee, and in exchange you say, instead of paying forty million for Griezmann, how about we pay twenty million? That strikes me as a little bit better. You can still not great, but it's a little better. You can rationalize it a little bit better. Like Griezmann is not this season's any indication he's not aging well. He's probably going to become a deeper lying forward or even a midfielder next year which is fine i think that role can work he could have value in it i don't know how much though the value is going to have to come from him setting up eight to ten goals and i'm not sure if he's going to do that no no and you know again like we talk about he he may only be 31 but that's a hard 31 it's a hard 31 he was playing every match for simeone and he never five years never got hurt Never got hurt. He played five years, every match, every competition for Simeone. That is gonna take its toll on your body. Yeah, like look no at look at what's it. happened to Koke this season. Yep, time is catching up with him. I mean, countless former Atleti players. You you can look at and it's like, oh man, it is over. Um, so I don't. I'm not excited about the second Griezmann era. Um, I really wasn't super excited about the end of his Atletico era, even though he was good, I guess. It was just really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the the last team he was on, the 2018-19 team, will like forever be identified with what happened against Juventus, with, with that game in Turin. Like, that is what yep. will continue to define that season forever. Um, and that was not a particularly good team, even though they finished second. They weren't very good. They weren't fun to watch. They collapsed in horribly embarrassing fashion in an early knockout round of the Champions League. And Griezmann left. They reset the team. And then they bring him back into it. And they had some freaking horrible kits that year. Yeah, I I wasn't a fan of any of those shirts. Because they had, like, the baby blue and mustard yellow shirt they wore against Juve. That home shirt was kind of uninspiring. It was it was bad. The one next year bad. though is downright atrocious. The wiggly stripes. Yes. Yeah, those are bad. Those are very bad. Those like I saw bad. a FIFA mock up of them today, and oh my lord. Oh, they're bad. No, like the like the biggest problem is that there's two different sets of stripes. Like on the chest and on the sleeves, they're the um the vertical stripes that that Letty have worn for generations. But on the collarbone, on the shoulders, they're hoops. They're horizontal stripes. Pick Nike's one. cooked, man. Pick a design. Nike, I just want to talk. Turn on your location. I just want to talk. Nike is so cooked. Oh, I mean, my actually, God. I, I, I loved the third kit this year. I will say. It was weird, but I liked it. Like, yeah, okay, that, That's fine. But, like, you don't have to be creative with the home shirt. Just... Just do regular stripes. It's fine. It's not going to kill you. I know you want to do some crazy shit. <laughs> just just don't. Just just don't. You know what was great about the 2013-14 home kits? They Simple. were normal. They were Simple. normal. Yeah. Exactly. So And even, even when Nike did go a little adventurous, like on the 2017-18 home shirt, I really liked that home shirt. I know nobody else did, but I really liked it. I thought <laughs> it was cool. You did like that one. <laughs> I, nobody did. It looked like they were like claw scratches along the red and white stripes but i liked him <laughs> little did i know nike would get even worse from there little did i know that that was not the end of nike's experimentation oh no just the beginning look at the home shirt this year and next year and then and they also didn't try in like 15 16 and 16 17 like 
they were just like, uh, here's some, here's like a navy and like a black away shirt, like. Cool, the the home shirts those two seasons were gorgeous. I still have my sixteen, seventeen home shirt in my closet. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. The last I one actually the liked the black and yellow shirt. Not it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that interesting, but it, I I didn't mind it. Yeah, the Wiz Khalifa shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Atleti Steelers. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> nah. We are anti Pittsburgh on this podcast. Yeah, definitely. But Diego Simi, Mike Mike Tomlin comp. Wait, wait. Talking. <laughs> based on longevity and consistency yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i could see yeah. that yeah. god tomlin's been there for a long time now yeah he has mm-hmm. yeah he has. um i know simeone has been here this next year will be his 11th full season he confirmed it on sunday that he'll be coming back which it, it's not really a surprise now but earlier this season it genuinely looked like wow he he really might walk away this this seems pretty bad yeah, it, it, I've kind of given up trying to figure it out because it seems like every year we have the same discussion about Simeone, and we did certainly in like the post-second Champions League season. We talked about it all the time, about what's going to happen with Simeone. And I don't know, man. I mean, could he stay manager of Atleti for, like, I don't know, a really long time? Sure, I believe it. Is he going to leave after next season? I'd also believe that. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. I, I can't really get a pulse on it. It's up to him, as it should be, because he's, sure. he's a great coach and a legendary figure in the club's history, and I'm, I'm happy he's staying. I'm glad he's staying, uh, as are Enrique Sonetso and Miguel Angel Gil. Those two guys don't want him to leave. Like As much as even the most ardent Cholo supporters and the most ardent Atletico fans who don't want him to leave – Take their desire for Simeone to continue, multiply it by like 50, and then you'll get to Atletico's board. Of course, these yeah. guys don't want Cholo to leave. That's yeah. why they publicly backed him in January, February, March when things got really tough. Like, because Cholo absorbs all the criticism. Yep. When, yep. when, when people on social media who watch Atletico three or four times a year criticize how they play, criticize their business in the transfer market, all that goes to Simeone. Right. The people who are really responsible for it aren't blamed. Cholo is. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, totally. I mean, the transfer. Some of the transfer stuff is on him. Like for players he specifically requested, most of them absolutely. have been kind of. Most of them have been kind of shit. But uh, a lot of the other stuff that's going on has not been his fault as well. But you, you got to take the good and the bad with Simeone. It just kind of is what it is, and mm-hmm. you'll more often than not you'll end up in the good. Like, um, I, I still believe that. You know, there's still a part of me that that believes that. Simeone can, can take us to these incredible heights. He already has in the past. Um, and like this season, that Lenny came so close to knocking out a great Manchester City team that is likely yep. going to win the Premier League for the fourth time in five years this weekend. And, and you feel like, given the Champions League heartbreaks that have happened over the years, is that, you know, if Atleti had won a Champions League, he would have been gone by now. Probably. I, I would think. And, you know, it, it's always been Inter has been like the destination for him, but Inter, you know, have gone from Conte and have been just fine. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that they're going to be dying to bring in Simeone after Inzaghi's done so well there. I mean, I don't really see the point. So, who knows? I, I, I mean, you could see a fit for Simeone in the Premier League, but I don't I don't really see a big job opening up there anytime soon. And he's not the kind of guy who would chase money. 
No. Like I, I know, so. I know his salary is the highest, or at least among the highest of any manager in Europe. He's well paid and well compensated because he deserves to be. I I cannot see him going to take over PSG. I cannot see him going to no. take over Man United or you know Arsenal at some point. I don't. I don't like see that. that. I don't see that either. I mean, you know, Simeone is one of those guys that like the feeling and the connection to the club really matters, and he's paid that much because of how valued he is as at, at Atleti. Yeah, and that would not be the case at basically any other team. And, and maybe Inter, and probably not even then. Yeah, and he's got too too large and extensive a track record to go coach Lazio. Yeah, and and they have kind of, you know, in in this modern era, have kind of become like a middling to fringy Europa League club. Yeah, that's not a consistent top four team. No, it's not like they're competing for uh, Serie A titles at this point. Like they have good players, basically, but they're they're essentially like a fringy a fringy team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their owners haven't shown a desire to really go out there and push the boat out. So I don't really see that happening either. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know um, when he leaves. Like it, It'll happen at some point because everything ends at some point. But could I see him extending his contract even further beyond 2024? Yes, I could. Could I see yes. him walking away at the end of next season? Yes, I could. Like yep. We are really in uncharted territory here. An Atleti manager has never lasted this long. And there are precious few managers in the modern era who last this long and you know i i've thought about this a lot recently in kind of the wake of klopp and pep essentially sticking around with their clubs because there was that period of time where it was kind of uh the general consensus that managers aren't going to stay places for a while anymore like they're going to be like jose Mourinho or like carlo Ancelotti and hop around all the time mm-hmm. and that that is certainly still the case but pep and klopp and simeone have all been with the same club for a long time now um and seem to want to continue doing that so maybe maybe it's not a total changing of the guard maybe it's just we had to have a little period of craziness and then you know these great managers will stick around with certain clubs, um, especially ones that have, they have a great connection to, like those three guys. Those are the ones that immediately come to mind. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but um, actually probably not because all the other clubs change managers all the time. So I, I think if Spurs had backed Pochettino in the market, Pochettino could have become that guy. That's It's still crazy to me that they sacked him. Yeah. Still doesn't make any sense. And I and I hate Spurs, but Pochettino is the best manager in their history, and they sacked him after one half of a bad season. That's mad With, to me. And like after just like backing him in the market for the first time in like two years, three years. Yeah, and it's like what you're not going to get relegated, so fucking who cares? Like have a bad season. I mean, unless unless some craziness had gone on internally, who knows? But And then you hired Jose Mourinho. That was great. I loved that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's crazy. And I, I like it, obviously, as an Arsenal fan and an Atleti fan, having a manager that you know what he's going to say in the press conference. You know how he's going to pick the team. You're not, like, guessing what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen with Simeone and with, for most of my life, Arsene Wenger. It's like, you know what's going to happen. You know what the deal, the deal is here. 
Um, you don't have to guess. It, it, it makes your life a lot less stressful. And, you know? and there's elation and also some frustration. Like you and I have talked over the years about how Atleti's football is sometimes pretty limited. And sure. the, some of the, the hits as well as the misses, the big misses in the transfer market. And, and just some of these other, like, I think, I'm not sure how the, the best way to phrase this is, but especially with the way our culture is now, this, there's always a desire for more. There's always a desire for, like, if things go wrong, like, throw it all out. Start anew. Just blow right. it up and start anew. When that's not always the most prudent strategy. It's not always the best, most well-coordinated strategy. Like, that's a great point about Pep and Klopp, what they're doing in the Premier League. Klopp just signed a new deal that'll keep him at Liverpool for, what, 12 years? Considering when, when he took over to when that new contract ends. and yeah. Guardiola will probably be there a, a decade if, if he wants to stay and they want they will want him to stay. Yep, there are rumors about an extension there as well, which I could see. Yeah, so they're going to end up spending a decade on the touch lines um, unless things go really horribly, just miserably, terribly wrong. Um, and I, I think the same thing would have to happen with, with Simeone, except Simeone, is, his, his position at Atletico is so well consolidated and the board is so desperate not to see him leave yep. that they they will be patient, just as they were this season. And we got a reward of sorts. We did end up getting top four. Hopefully it'll be third if Atleti beat Real Sociedad this weekend, um, which will not be an easy game because La Real can still finish his highest fifth. That will be a challenge. Um, but, you know, the 10 consecutive years finishing somewhere in the top four um, – the 10 successive seasons of Champions League qualification is just mad, really, in any context. But for a club with Atletico's history, kind of this back-and-forth history with a couple of relegations, including one relatively recently at the end of the 90s, um, it's pretty wild. It's it's stability, even if it doesn't always feel like it. It's stability. It is. It is. And it it's a lot... I mean, and, you know, you think about a club like Chelsea, who have had remarkable success in both European and domestic competition but who's the manager you associate like most with Chelsea like I, I guess probably, it kind of probably Mourinho probably Mourinho right but that big that's over two short stints two short stints I mean he sort of brought them into the four for which he shall never see heaven um, <laughs> but that all things being they've had a million different managers and they won the Champions League with Roberto Di Matteo like, yeah, yes it, it's just it's just not it, it's just not iconic in the same way and I, I know that's like a very vague and not a not a tangible thing but it just kind of feels different when it's your guy you know, mm-hmm. we we know exactly what Simeone is gonna do. Like it's like, oh, Atleti, you know, they're they're a great European team. I'm sure they're gonna play great football. Says the person that's watched them twice over the last seven years. Yeah. It's like, no, no Champions League semifinal. No, we're playing horrible football. <laughs> because it's the <laughs> best like, way to win. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't know, man. It it it's nice to know what's coming. You're, we're not getting caught off guard these days. Yeah, uh, and on. Kind of on top of that, Atleti this summer need to decide administratively what team they are. Do they want to challenge Madrid and Barca? Then you need to be aggressive and bold and make huge financial decisions in the summer. If you want to just hang out in the top three and the top four and stay a pace ahead of Sevilla, Betis, Villarreal, Athletic, 
okay, but that's not very fun. And like that, that, that seems to me what Berta and Sinezzo and MAG are planning for this summer is not necessarily one with a lot of big, bold moves to try to take back the title. This, this summer, without sales especially, it seems to be one where they are happy to be in the top four. And it, 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 there's, a, there's a fundamental disconnect there because they expect Simeone to achieve most every year. And like right. when they when Atleti win the league, it really is special because at boardroom level, Atleti are pretty average with a, a very above average coach on, the, on yep. the playing field. Yep, agreed. I mean, I think I think you know you look at this Atleti squad and you don't see a big sale in there this summer. Yeah, Carrasco or Lodi to me would be the big sale. But. Like, big sale? Like, I don't know. Like, a decent amount, but not, like, crazy. Yeah. Like, there, there's not going to be a 100 million euro exit this summer, which is which on one hand is good. Sure. It, it's good to... Keeping the squad together is a, a good thing, but this squad, this year? The only player you could say that would fetch that fee is Jean Felix. Pretty much. And I mean, yeah, not letting like, him go on 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 another year, maybe, but not after this year. Yeah, they're they're not letting him go anyway. No, like but the yeah. they're building the future around him. Yeah. Like, so it's yeah. just not not there's just not one. I think if a good offer comes in for Kondogbia, they're going to evaluate it. Like Jose Ma probably. Jose Ma won't leave though. Given his roots, I, he won't. Probably leave. probably won't. And you wouldn't think he'd get an attractive enough offer to leave. Yeah. And his his release clause is far beyond what most teams would want to pay for him. Sure. Can Dogbia, I think if they get something around forty million, they're gonna consider it because that's almost quadrupling their money. Yeah, and and, and in a sense, pinching Jeffrey Kondogbia from Valencia when they were desperate to get rid of anything that wasn't nailed down. Which they still uh, are which they still are, is a good way of making profit, and they will make profit. Yeah, because Valencia will, they will sell anyone for like 10 or 20 million. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that team is going to be real nasty business next oh, year. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I can't even laugh at them anymore, because I genuinely feel bad for the diehard Valencia fans that I, that I know and see on social media. Yeah, and and, totally. the, and the fans at Mestalla, I feel terrible for them. Totally. I mean, that, and this is not the first time, obviously. Um, that but this if, but if we're going to keep benefiting from it, I'm in favor of it. Sure. <laughs> sure. A lot of a lot of clubs have benefited. Uh, probably should have signed Danny Parejo. That would have been a good call. Yeah, I'm still mad about that. Hopefully, yeah. we can make up for it if we sign Carlos Soler. That'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be a weird summer. Um, I I feel like. In my heart, it I would like to see a big shakeup happen, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I think they're going to keep keep the band together. It doesn't seem like a big shakeup is going to happen, and it needs to happen. Like because this team this year was not good. Uh, there were serious issues, um, representative, emblematic of a team that needs to be restructured in some way, that needs to be overhauled at least to some degree. Like you can't just nibble around the edges or tweak it. Atleti need to be pretty bold this summer, and without big sales, it doesn't seem like they're going to be. 
And it's tough to square that with the reality that this team has been in the Champions League 10 years in a row. Like, make it make sense. Right. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense, although if you go back and you look at a lot of the high-profile transfers that have happened, you can see how the money has slowly leaked down the drain. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's a weird position to be in, and there's a lot of, like, players that you feel like, all right, they're okay, but then... You keep looking, it's like, oh, the whole squad, with the exception of a few players, is a lot of guys who you only feel okay about. Yeah, and that, and that's a good point, too, is that when you spend $150 million combined euros on Costa, Morata, and Bitolo, like, that sets you back at least a year. Yeah. Two years, sure. especially when you can't just paper over mistakes like state-run clubs can do, right? We, Manchester yeah. City and PSG and Madrid and Barcelona, even though they're not state-run, they can make mistakes and then go right back to the market. Like, Madrid have barely felt the Hazard transfer. It's criminal that they have barely felt that transfer. 95% of clubs would be crippled for years making that deal. Yes. You know, it's much more... It's it's reality. This is the reality. When you spend slash waste 150 million euros on, on three flops, this is the reality. You have to pinch pennies um and i i think there are a lot of fans who don't quite get that that if you make these big mistakes you can't necessarily correct them when you don't have the funds of city psg even newcastle now we'll see what they do this summer yeah i i think the big one of carrasco or lodi my sense is that one of them will leave they'll probably shop hermoso try to get something for him because simeone's not at all counting on him uh, I think they'll terminate Voss's contract because that just hasn't worked out. Nope. Um, they will... Hector Herrera will be gone. I think they'll take preseason with Saul and see how he does. Maybe look yeah. to loan him out again or sell him. Uh, Morata will be on the block. They need to get rid of him to raise funds and because none of the three parties involved really want Morata to be there. <laughs> True. Like, yeah, so... I don't know. It, it seems like there's not going to be a ton of big, flashy like, like moves this summer. Like there, There's not going to be a lot of swagger to Atleti's transfer window. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, the, the signings that they desperately, desperately need to make are a starting right back and a central midfielder. they got to sign yes. those two players. Then after that, you can worry about reinforcing central defense, further reinforcing midfield, with a more creative attacking player, and then you can worry about getting a flashy new forward like Lautaro or, or, or Darwin, although I don't think they're going to get either one. Nah, I don't think so. Which don't may be okay, so. depending on how you feel about Cunha's ceiling. Might be okay. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't lose sleep about either. I mean, I think Darwin. Darwin's kind of the, a wild card. I don't really know what and he's going to end up being. Um, and you are on yeah. record, Rob, as being anti-Lautaro Martinez. I mean, yeah, uh, I don't think he's that good. And, uh, but also, again, it's a fit thing. He, it, it's this, it's just the same mistake again. If you bring Lautaro in to with Jao Felix and Antoine Griezmann, it's like, all right, great, we're doing this again. We're, we're doing the short strike, second striker thing all over again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, no thanks, no thanks. Let's just get some some good players and uh, I don't know see what happens see if we can figure out what the hell happened in 2021 20, 20, and 
Yeah, try I to know. recapture. Maybe, maybe, maybe Marcos Urente could be good again. That like, would be nice. Yeah, there's no way Urente is is this player again next year. But there's also, I think, a pretty remote possibility he's the player he was last year. Like the real Urente yeah. is is somewhere in the middle. Yes, I think that's fair. He just he exploded last year. No one really expected it to happen. He just would score goals. Or, or assist him every other game. He had like 23 goal contributions in 37 league games. He was just everywhere. Like, you looked up, boom, he was setting up a goal or scoring one. And this year it's been very different because the circumstances have been different. We haven't had a right back. He's There have been injuries. Llorente himself has missed multiple months with injuries. And it's just, just shot his confidence because there just hasn't been a whole lot of clarity. Yep. So, yeah, I... I, I back Urente to bounce back, although I don't know how generous that how I would be with that. I don't know how significant, how substantial the bounce back is going to be. No, I think that's fair. I think if you're expecting him to be last year, then you're dreaming. Yeah. I'm not sure but, we're, we're going to see that player again. But if we get one that's like half that player, that's still immensely helpful. And then, basically, the biggest question, as it always is, is... Is next year the Zhao Felix superstar year? Yes. Which I it probably will be, yeah. I'm I'm a believer now. Watching how he played between February and the end of April, I'm a believer now. I think he's finally bought in. I think he was he was in the best form of his life before he got hurt again. And I think he's totally on board with what Chola wants him to do. He runs more, he presses harder, he's his role is clearer and more defined. He finally became a guy you can't drop from the starting 11, which is partially what got him injured. Right. But yeah, I think, I think next year is the breakout and that will, our ceiling shoots way up if it is. Yep. Cause he's that, he's that talented and that skilled. And if he puts it together for a full season, uh, we're competing for trophies. I believe that. It's as simple as that folks. Yeah, it's simple and totally healthy to hinge most of my hopes and dreams on a 22-year-old kid. It's all fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. And on, on that note, you want to start recording? Yeah, yeah, let's get started. <laughs> yeah, let's that would have been funny, though, if we'd been talking for 85 minutes like we have and I hadn't pressed record. That would be really unfortunate. Yeah, funny might not be the right word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just the damn it episode. That's it. That's that's just it. Frequent and effusive curse words. Yeah, exactly. And then it's over for two seconds, and it's over. Well, Rob, uh, fortunately and thankfully, we have been recording for this entire time, so we are going to sign off now. Uh, Thank you very much for hopping on this uh, Tuesday night edition of the pod. Of course. Good job by you. A pleasure, as always. This is probably going to go down as a top five Colch Nero chat episode. It probably it was very rambling, but it, that's what makes it good. And uh, yeah, we have one more game this season, and then it's over. We get a three month break where we just get to talk about transfers mostly. Yeah. And so we'll have another show coming your way over the weekend into early next week. Uh, Robbie Dunn may be back in action for that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all for listening and for your continued support this has been a, a pretty successful year Colch Nero Chat's most successful season since we started the show back in 2016 uh, keep up with us on social media at Into the Calderon and on our website intothecalderon.com also patreon.com slash Colch Nero Chat for bonus goodies and exclusive content 
Uh, you can also subscribe to listen to uh, previous episodes of this wonderful podcast uh, and our sister show, the Partido a Partido Pod, on uh, Spotify, the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network. Subscribe there. And we will Colt Schnero chat uh, with you again next week. Adios. <laughs>